One in two women wear the wrong foundation. Are you? Time to upgrade. Il Maquillage is the boldest new brand in beauty. With 20,000 five-star reviews, their Woke Up Like This foundation is a bestseller for a reason. Available in 50 shades of flawless natural coverage, all cruelty-free. And with Try Before You Buy, it's risk-free. Take the Power Match quiz to find your perfect shade and try it free for 14 days. Go to ilmakiage.com slash quiz. That's I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz. Hi, I'm Danielle Radoichin. Welcome to the last of the My Big Idea podcasts for ASOS, recorded on location at London Fashion Week. In this episode, I'm talking to Emma Elwick-Bates, fashion news editor of American Vogue. I caught a moment with her to find out what it's like at the shows and to ask her for her tips on how to make it in fashion journalism. Hi, Emma. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining us on the My Big Idea podcast. How's Fashion Week going for you? Uh, it's been super busy, but super illuminating. I... I love coming back home to London because obviously this is where I first discovered fashion. And Should we just I... talk about the fact that you're injured? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the big story at the moment. Um, I'm a literal fashion victim. I <laughs> took a little tumble yesterday in some oh. very high Saint Laurent platforms. Didn't fall over, but have managed to hurt my ankle. And we were just talking about how you just managed to make it to the Erdem. I know. I was in A&E... Um, squealing we have to get out soon we must get the x-ray results i need to get to the Adam show did they show. help you in when you got here did they help you get into the Adam show uh yes yes i've worked out that actually staircases and fashion week there's a lot of them which i'd never even <laughs> noticed until i was limping like kaiser Sozo. so what are the big stories that have been coming out of london fashion week for you I think what makes London so interesting is it's it's not really trend-driven. I mean, there are trends that you could pick up on in terms of being, like, a lot of... Um, but more... The trends that you've picked up on are more in terms of, like, the music and the presentation. I mean, mm. they've all been very kind of, like, bold. There's been a lot of... Quite a lot of rave music and things like Left Field and yeah. Chemical Brothers. Harriet was talking about that yesterday, that Mark Jacob, we had that. But what, but I what feel kind like of shows the, I feel like the clothes... It's more of a mood rather than a trend because obviously the Mark Jacobs show, which was wonderful and closed New York, to the Molly Goddard show, which was, it was almost like raving polygamists. These, <laughs> it was, you know, they didn't look aesthetically like each other, but that energy and that vibe really felt the same. Erdem was exquisite this morning. I like Erdem when he plays to his darker sensibilities and it was very, it was very Proustian and very. It was the darker side of Erdem. It was black, grey-grain ribbon with um, blues and whites. And it was very much like this Edwardian lady that had gone for a wander on the shore. I went backstage um, to say well done. The backstage scene, I think, is the thing people don't realise what it's like. Um, Because after... Was this before or after the show? I went after the show. So you have the serenity of the models walking past you to beautiful classical music and then backstage there's just like a mass of people clambering over each other. Um, You know, the designer is very much pounced upon backstage by journalists trying to get their quotes, uh, people trying to Snapchat and film. It's really changed, I'd say, even within the last two or three years, what happens backstage at an Erdem show. Uh, Do you mean because he's become more popular? 
Also, I think just the industry has changed, and so there are more people, you know, before you might get four or five key journalists getting a quote for the piece they'd write and be published the next day. Now you've just got just millions of people surrounding them and throwing questions, filming them, and they're getting pulled around. There's also, because he's such a instrumental in the modern red carpet, you get a lot of, like, starlets backstage. Oh, really? Um, Who was there today? Ellie Bamber was there, who I recently interviewed for American Vogue. He's adorable, and I'm a big fan. She's in the new Tom Ford movie. Um, Divine redhead, but she was there. Then a lot of um, Odom's old friends that were him, you were there, like Daisy Lowe. What did he say to you when you spoke to him? He just smiled and said, Elf, I'm exhausted, because he calls me the Elf. <laughs> the elf. Oh. <laughs> um, but I'm going to catch up with him later at the Business of Fashion dinner. Hmm. Um, and so were you at the Tom Ford show in New York? I was at the Tom Ford show. Um, he very much rebelled against the pace that we're moving at, and he slowed things down and had a very like old-school... It was like having a dinner party with Tom Ford with elegant ladies milling around you. But once again, you know, there was a great celebrity element and Julianne Moore, his dear friend, was there, Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford. Wow. It was it was very high octane. Mm. What do you think are the things that strike you as the main differences between going to the New York shows and then coming to the London shows? I think with the exception of Mark Jacobs as a bigger consistency to the New York shows and I think that you still see trends like there, there was bralettes undone corsetry there was a lot of great summer boots that you could actually see you know it was very much geared in that very like commercial way as in you know you will buy this you will wear this and I feel like in London as I was trying to express as in there are no trends as in you know it can be Mad Camo, Chelsea and Tula, Molly Goddard, and then it can, you know, move to like Jasper Conrad in a beautiful cashmere coat. It just, it's just everyone plays to their own individuality here. Hmm. You just mentioned Molly Goddard, but are there any other up and coming names that you're into? Uh, I think Mimi Wade did a great presentation. Um, I'm quite she was part of the Fashion East. Fashion thing, right? East. Yeah. Um, quite obsessed by uh, Matty Boven and that whole kind of like club kid. Because I think for me, growing up in London, you know, I started out and there was Boombox and everyone used to dress for Boombox and that was about Sunday night and. I'm quite excited that it feels that there's another movement happening mm-hmm. again. Yeah, because Matty's got his club night in Dalston. And his yeah. followers and, mm-hmm. yes. Sort of, it's like coming around again to being all about that. I think it's, it's quite, quite interesting, fun. isn't it? Like, yeah. I think it's quite interesting how, you know, you know, there was Camden Palace, there was Blitz, and like, there's like little like turns and revivals. Yeah. It's interesting how you've tied it in with the music thing as well. Um, so, you've, how long have you been in New York now? Because you were, you know, you've worked, you worked in London for many a year. Yes. And studied I, here. Yes. So I, Central St. Martins. C- Central St. Martins. Where you studied? I did my master's there. I did an English degree before that. Um, did a master's in fashion history and journalism. And then briefly worked at the BBC on a programme called What Not To Wear. Oh, yes. And we love what then I wear, ended up at British Vogue as an assistant where I met you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I was at British Vogue for just under 10 years, and I've been at American Vogue for two years. 
How's that going? It's very good. I mean, it's exciting to live in a new country because I very much, I felt like I went on the academic production line and A-levels, university, masters, work. So I felt like it was quite nice to shake things up. Is it quite weird working at somewhere that's sort of famous, especially well, within the fashion industry, anywhere? Do you find it weird? Do you, like when you go out and people, you meet people, do they all sort of say to you, what's Anna Winter like? I was about to say, that's the question I most get. And I'm very... What's your standard answer? She is exactly how you would expect her to be. <laughs> She's very charming. Uh, she is a tough boss, but in a good way. Um, She's decisive. Does she like your work when you checked her? I hope so. <laughs> she brought me across the pond, so let's hope she does like yeah, me. Exactly. Um, but yeah, there's quite a lot of British people in our office, so she's very much she still maintains a British sensibility and interest in the arts and culture scene and the fashion scene here. So I think I think American Vogue is very much a global magazine. Mm. And I was interested, I think I read something about her once, that she was saying how when she interviews people, she's very interested to know about what they do outside of work, whether it's mm. going to exhibitions or concerts or you know, what their outside of work interests are. Do you think that helped you getting your job there? Yes. Uh, she asked to meet me in a Paris fashion week and we went for tea, which felt very civilised and I have to say, we've never had tea since. So I, think, <laughs> I think I was like, gosh, it's, it's even more British than British. <laughs> um, but luckily there was time for tea. But her opening question was, hello, Emma, I've heard a lot about you. What book are you reading? Wow. So she immediately, because I think she has that presumption that if you're working for a Vogue, you already, you know your fashion, you know, that's not what she wants. She doesn't want to know who your favourite designers are. She just wants to know more of like a rounded picture but. So for someone who is interested in following a similar career path to yours, working in fashion magazines or working in fashion journalism, um, what's your advice for someone who's just starting out, who's maybe still at college even? I think it's really changed from the time I did it. I did it in a time where it was very much about, you know, work experience placements, which I do think is still important. But I also feel that now watching generations come through almost really... Almost establishing your own brand is very important. I think you know having your own, your Instagram, your Snapchat. I think, I think maybe the power of the blogger per se isn't really with it. I think we're in a different time. But I, I think just constantly writing and building a platform for yourself is very important. I think that that's now quite key to employing anyone. Really, I mean. Is that what you I, look employing at when you're, when you're an assistant, I'd probably be quite interested to know what their social media presence was. And I don't mean in terms of numbers, just as in how they self-curate. Because I think it speaks volumes about the taste level, kind of their interests. For? What kind of things are you looking for on, on Instagram, for example? I, I love people on Instagram that have like carved their own identity and um, whether they've done it through like, like the aesthetics or the filters or... And like the captions, you can just tell so much about somebody. Mm. And in terms of making that first, getting that first job interview or that first internship, you know, finding those connections, how do you go about doing that if you don't know anyone? I mean, 
I literally was just kind of massive consumer of magazines and media and read those mastheads because the mastheads are there for a reason and it's very useful and also addressing and approaching the right people, you know, I think it's not about wanting to be at a certain publication, it's about wanting, you know, I want to write features, like target the features person. You know, I think a lot of people make that mistake of just not actually targeting the right person. Mm. But I said, the, the masthead is an old-fashioned but very simple way to get to the right person. I was interested to know what you think is the actual point of having Fashion Week these days. We've been talking a bit about that with other people on this series so far. I know, I mean... I actually pro fashion show, whether that makes me seem like a designer. I don't think the fashion show format is right for everyone, and I think it's very expensive, and I think certain people are better doing smaller presentations or, like, salon styles, so you can actually see the craftsmanship and the work. Do you think the show now is all about spectacle that's just been created to look good on Instagram? Well, you know, you could say that about anything. I mean, it feels like people's weddings are like that at the moment. (laughs) Everything. Hashtag wedding. Hashtag, you know, that idea of, um, as I say, you know, creating a spectacle. I think it is, but I think it's important to still give designers that outlet. And I think it's so inspiring for the people there because, you know, the music, the mood. I do think things like, you know... Star-studded front row is dated. I don't think that's necessary. Um, I don't think everyone should be jumping onto the show now, by now. I think you should only do that if you've got the business to facilitate that, because I worry that people are feeling the pressure that the bigger brands are doing it. So do you think... But So see now, by now, it's not necessarily right for everyone, but do you think that there's a need to change the schedule so that it isn't a case of clothes that you're seeing in September 2016 won't be available until spring, summer 17. I mean, I don't know. I feel like with a lot of those clothes, such big purchases, I don't know many people that would literally see it and immediately click on their phone. But, you know, I was raised not to be an impulse buyer, so (laughs) it doesn't really work for me. But you know what I mean? I suppose I meant more in terms of actually changing the scheduling system around so that... I think at the moment where we we talk about it a lot and I think, you know, I think there is space to disrupt the system. But I just think for all the the buyers and the press and all the people involved, having those kind of set dates, it means that, you know, they can actually plan their lives and existence where, you know, if if you're like... A buyer for Netaporte or Aces, whatever you're buying for, you know, it's not physically possible to be like, oh, you know, Mark Jacobs is showing in January, but oh, two weeks later you've got to go and see Amelia Wicks. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, you either would have to get rid of all the shows completely and everyone do showroom appointments, but then people in the outside world wouldn't be able to share it and it become really insider. And social media has made the fashion show very egalitarian because everyone can watch it and it's live streamed I don't know, I feel like we're in a, just a really interesting time when nobody knows the answer Yeah, it does feel like a I think everyone's putting yeah. pressure on themselves to find the answer What's the answer Emma? I don't know the answer, I'm, I'm hands <laughs> up and being honest uh, but okay. I think we will see it change and evolve um, you know, it's changed so much in the 12 years I've been in the mm. industry. Like, I remember, you know, if you went to the spring-summer shows like we're watching now, 
I'd be watching Versace in Milan and it would be models in swimsuits with high heels, which just... No one shows swimmer on a runway anymore. Yeah. That's just gone. You yeah. know, you're more likely to see a fur coat or a pocket. Yeah. I guess seasons are dead rather than the runway show. Good point, yeah. Who is your favourite person to follow on Instagram? Mm. I'm slightly odd. I like to... <laughs> I love following hotels. Really? What yes, kind of hotels? I, I just hotels I've stayed at and enjoyed. I don't know why. That's a very unfashion answer. Or did you want hotels. a fashion answer? <gasps> no. I was just, I mean, I just think it's I so love... telling. What, which, which hotels are we talking uh, about? The Bristol in Paris. Oh, really? What kind of Instagram do they have? I'm going to quickly check it out. Their food, their garden. They have two divine cats Is called Sarah and Cleopatra. <laughs> and it'll be like the cats in the ballroom. The cats. I don't know. Um... Amazing. Follow the Carlisle right. I'm going to go York. and stalk you on Instagram now. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's something about hotels I love. Uh, I mean, as I said, fashion people, I like people that as said, they've created their own identities. Um, you know, I love Suzanne Collins. I think she's great. Um, I love, you know, finding out that little bit more, like, you know, Sam McKnight, I love the fact that he doesn't really put pictures up of her. He puts pictures up of his gardening because he's even more proud of his gardening yeah, for us. Than it's going his back to that whole idea of having a life outside of just exactly. being such fashion. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're quite random, all the people I follow. I always love an animal one. I'm quite excited that in New York that Tom Brand's dog Hector joined Instagram. <laughs> and Hector and I have already corresponded. I saw Tom last night and he's like, Hector was so pleased you gave him a share. Do you have an Instagram account for your dog? I don't. Thought about it? No, I think <laughs> I think he has enough of a presence on my personal Instagram. Um, but one thing I would suggest that people do, which I wish I'd done, is separated a professional and a personal Instagram. Oh, really? Why is that? Because I think mine would be like, here's backstage on American Vogue. Here. Here's my dog. <laughs> and I, I feel oh, there's I a kind of slightly yours. chop and change in consistency. Mm. Good point. Something Too late now. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for talking to us. Um, Pleasure. What is, what's happening? What's next? I'm going to, well, I would say race, but more limp to the Christopher Kane show. Um, do you, have you had a preview about of that? that? Or do you know I what's haven't be had about? a preview, um, but it's his... Do you get that from designers? Do they tell you in advance about what's, what's coming? It depends. Like, certain ones I'm in contact with, and I would. New York's easier to do previews because it's... It's a nine-day process rather than a four-day process. So you actually do have spaces in between, um, or you can go and see the collection like the day after the show. Um, and then we've also got Burberry, which is obviously a massive social media affair. Yeah. I've just um, stopped Snapchatting for American Vogue, and Burberry's about to take it over. Wow. Um, so we'll look forward to seeing... Amazing. Well, listen, have a really good time and thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. That was Emma Elwick-Bates of US Vogue bringing to an end our podcasts coming to you from London Fashion Week. Don't forget to download previous episodes of My Big Idea for more advice on fashion careers and you should also check out the ASOS magazine fortnightly podcast, These Four Walls. I'm Danielle Rodeutchen. Thanks for listening. Bye. I have a secret. I wore the wrong foundation for years. Then I discovered Il Maquillage, the boldest new brand in beauty. With 20,000 five-star reviews and 50 shades of flawless coverage, their Woke Up Like This foundation is a bestseller for a reason. 
It's tough buying foundation online, but their Power Match quiz matched me perfectly. And with Try Before You Buy, you can try your shade free for 14 days. Take the quiz at ilmakiage.com slash quiz. That's I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz.